0: Well, good morning, everyone. If we don't have uh, the piano playing, tell everybody when it's time. I must get a school bell and ring it, though. <laughs> it's good to see everyone this morning. If you would open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord and seek his blessing. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy and reverent is your matchless name. And Father, we come before you this morning with reverence, with fear and trembling, knowing that we come before the God of heaven and earth. And Father, how thankful we are to while we come reverently, be able by your spirit to come boldly and confidently, pleading the merit and the blood, the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that you would bless us this morning with your spirit, enable us to look into your word and to see the Lord Jesus Christ, to see him, to believe on him, to rest in him. Father, in everything that's said and done here today, let it be done to the praise and the glory of the name of Christ our Savior. Let us lift up his his character, his person, the sufficiency of his person, that your people might be enabled to worship. If he's lifted up, we'll be able to worship. And what we pray for ourselves, we pray especially for our children's classes going on at this time. And wherever your people meet together, Father, bless your word where it's preached. Father, we pray you'd be with your people who are in times of sickness and heartache and sorrow, Father, we pray your hand of healing and comfort and direction be upon them, that you would be pleased to deliver them quickly. Now, Father, all these things we ask, and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. I have a huge, huge subject this morning. I've titled the lesson, What the Will of the Lord Is. Our text is one, just one verse, verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 5. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, confess right from the beginning, I feel very inadequate to talk about what the will of the Lord is, and everybody should feel that way. I think it's wise to, to, uh, be a little leery of somebody that says, "Oh, I know what the Lord's will is," you know, and, and all the time, I know, I see the Lord's will. I know what the Lord's will is in this. I think we got to be mighty careful about that. You know, normally, when we think about what is the will of the Lord, we think, "What is God's purpose? What is God accomplishing?" In through the events that He's bringing to pass you know, to me and, and around me, and almost always, we don't know. Almost always, we don't know what the Lord's doing. I don't know what the Lord's going to accomplish, you know, through the the different things that he's doing. And how can we? How can we? We're finite creatures of the dust. God's the eternal creator. We're sinful creatures. God is holy. God is eternal. God is spirit. How can we know what God's doing? We don't. We simply don't. Now, even though all that is true, Paul tells us here in our text that we can understand what the will of the Lord is in some things. There are some things about the will of the Lord that are given to us to understand. Now, without a doubt, there are things about the will of the Lord we're never going to know, we'll never understand. But there are some things about the will of the Lord that we do know, and we know them because the Lord's been pleased to reveal them to us. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29 says, the secret things belong unto the Lord, the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and our children forever. We know them because the Lord's been pleased to reveal them to us. And everything that I know about the will of the Lord comes directly from the word of God. That's the only way I can know anything about about the will of God. Everything else is just a guess. <laughs> it's just a guess. And I'll give you a few things that I know about the will of the Lord. And it struck me as I began starting this lesson, you know what I said? I feel very inadequate to discuss, talk about what is the will of the Lord. But as I look through the scripture, this is what I found. We know more about the will of the Lord than we might think. I went through God's Word looking at what the will of the Lord is, the things that we can understand. And I had to cut a bunch of stuff out because I don't have time to deal with them in the time a lot of this morning. So there are more things about God's will than we think we know, at least if we'll take the time to find out about it from God's Word. So the first thing I know is this. The will of the Lord is eternal. Look back at Ephesians 1 verse 9. having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Now, God's made this known unto us, the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Now, God's made known unto us the mystery of his will, the mystery of how he saves sinners. And he does it, he lets us in on that, he reveals that to us through preaching. Well, when did God purpose this will in himself? Well, verse four tells us is before the foundation of the world. See, it's eternal. God's will doesn't have a beginning and it doesn't have an ending. It'll never change because God never changes. And that makes God's will eternal. Look at Ephesians 3 verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ To the intent for this purpose that now, under the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's will is eternal. All right, number two, look back at Romans chapter 12. The will of the Lord is always perfect and good. Ephesians 12, Verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's will is always good. It's always acceptable. It's always perfect. Now, that's good for us to, to remember when God does something and we don't understand it. Even when it hurts. We need to remember this. The will of the Lord is always perfect and good. Everything he does is perfect and good. All right, the third thing, look at Hebrews chapter six. The will of the Lord is is immutable. That means God's will can never change. Hebrews 6 verse 16. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable, unchangeable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong refuge who have fled, or a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. That word counsel in verse 17, the immutability of his counsel, that word is will. God's will is unchangeable because God's unchangeable. And the writer to the Hebrews says now, this has been written for our comfort, for our consolation. If we've laid hold on Christ and believe Christ, here's our comfort. If almighty God purposed to save you before time began, then you will be saved in time. Because God's will can't change. You can't mess it up. God's will, is good. If, he, if he purposed to save you, he will. You'll be glorified together with Christ. You know, God's never reacting to what men do in His creation. He doesn't have to make slight adjustments, you know, along the way to keep His purpose on track. Everything that happens is happening because God willed for it to happen before time began. He's working all things after the counsel of His own will. All things. Whether we think they're good or whether we think they're bad. And the best example of that that I can think of is the fall of Adam. Now, you write this down. God willed for Adam to fall. Before God created anything, he willed for Adam to fall. If he didn't, Adam wouldn't fall. Isn't that right? Adam didn't do something God didn't will for him to do. Now, that doesn't make God the author of sin because God can't sin. You just don't have to people say, oh, I don't want to say God will for Adam to sin because that makes God the author of sin. You don't have to worry about making God a sinner. (laughs) You can't do it. God's nature is holy. Adam's fall was the will of God being carried out so that God's purpose of the redemption of his people through the sacrifice of Christ could be carried out about 4,000 years later. That was God's will coming to pass. That's God's will, whether I completely understand it or not. I just know it's God's will because his will is unchangeable. Now that's some of the characteristics of God's will. But you might be wondering, well, what's God's will for me? What's God's will for what I should do with my life? Well, I can't tell you with any degree of certainty whether you should take this job or take this job. I I can't tell you what house you should buy. I can't tell you what color you should paint it. I mean, mean, God has a will for it, but I don't know what it is. I can't tell if you should do this, that, or something else. I don't know what God's will is in all those things. I don't know because the Lord hadn't told us in his word. But there are some things I do know that God's will is for us. This is God's will for his people. I know this, number one, God's will is that his people be saved by the sacrifice, by the unspeakable suffering of his son. Look at Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. Verse 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, Saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Well, it wasn't possible that this cup passed from the Savior because we know he went and suffered and drank the cup dry, don't we? It's not possible that that cup of suffering could pass from Christ except he drink it because he must suffer. That, that whole cup of God's wrath against the sin of his people, he's got to drink that cup down to its very dregs. He's got to drink it dry because that is the one and only way God's justice can be satisfied. The only way God's people can be saved in truth and mercy is if Christ drinks this cup dry. Now, if it's God's will that God's people be saved by the doing and dying of Christ, by his obedience and by his sacrifice, him and him alone, if that's God's will, let's preach it. Let's never compromise it. If it's God's will that that his people be saved by the sacrifice of Christ alone, we'd be mighty wise to pray and ask God, Lord, give me faith to trust my salvation to Christ alone because that's God's will. That's his will. All right, number two, look at John chapter four. God's will is that salvation be accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ alone, that he accomplished the work by himself. John chapter four, in verse 34, Jesus said to them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Now this work is the work of the redemption of God's people. and I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus Christ got the job done. Hebrews 10 verse 10 says, by the which will were sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He said, He said, it's my meat to finish His work. He finished it, didn't He? That's what He cried on the cross before He gave up the ghost. It's finished. He finished the work. Now, if it's God's will, the salvation be accomplished by Christ alone. Let's quit thinking we can do some good work to make God more happy with us than he, than he is in Christ alone. If it's God's will, the salvation, our salvation is wholly in Christ alone. Let's quit thinking if I do this, God's going to bless me because I did better than somebody else. <laughs> I don't think anybody in this room would, it would think, oh, if I do this good work, God will save me. But this is what the believer is prone to think. Oh, if I do this, God's going to be so happy with me because I did it God's way and God's going to bless me. Now, we bless for our works and we blessed in Christ alone? Which is it? If it's in Christ alone, let's trust him alone. Let's preach him alone. A believer will do good works without any question about it. But we'll never trust those works, do we? It's trusting Christ alone. If that's God's will, let's trust Christ alone. I now look over at John chapter 6. Here's the third thing I know. God's will is that everyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Now, I know only the elect will, will believe on Christ. I know that. But when you first come to Christ, you first trust him, you don't know if you're one elect or not. All you know is your sinner needs savior. And here's good news for you. God's will is. This is God's will everyone who believes on Christ will be saved. John 6, verse 38. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. You want to know what God's will is? Here it is. And this is the Father's will which has sent me. That of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Everyone the Father chose in divine election and gave to Christ, he's not going to lose them they're ultimately going to be glorified together with him in the last day. And verse 40, this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. Now man by nature will not come to Christ. Man by nature will not believe on Christ. Now it's God's will that everybody believes on Christ have eternal life, but man by nature will not cannot believe on Christ. What a contrast our will is to God's will. Look back at page of John 5, verse 40. And you will not come unto me that you might have life. You will not. Now that is our nature compared to God. Our nature is we will not believe. God's God's will is everyone believes on the son will have eternal life. Well, that's our nature but don't fear, don't fear. Our sinful will will never stop God's will from, from coming to pass, never. God's going to draw all those people that he chose to save in Christ, he's going to draw all of them to Christ so that they believe on Christ alone. That's what he says in verse 44, John 6. No man can come to me. We don't have the ability to come to Christ except the Father which sent me drawing and I'll raise him up at the last day, is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. The Father's going to see to it. The Father's going to see to it that his people are drawn to Christ and they believe on Christ. Now like I said earlier, I don't know what God's will is. If you should take this job or this job or if you should do this or you should do that or you should do something else. I don't know. But here's what I know, and what I know makes me mighty happy. It's God's will that everyone that believes on Christ will have eternal life. Now that makes me determined to keep preaching Christ so that you and I will believe. I I don't know who it is God will save, but I know this. It's God's will to save his people through the preaching of Christ so that we'll believe on him. And I hope we'd all pray that God give us faith to believe on Him. I want that faith to believe on Christ, don't you? Oh, I want it so desperately because it's God's will. If I believe on Christ, I'm going to have eternal life. And I'm right interested in that. (laughs) I'm real interested in that. All right, here's the fourth thing I know about God's will. Look back at John chapter 1. God's will is to give his people spiritual life through the new birth. John 1 verse 11. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born. They were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of the will of God. Now, every single time somebody believes on Christ, they hear preaching, they hear preaching, they hear preaching, and they finally see. They finally believe on Christ. You know what that is? That's the will of God being carried out. That's exactly what it is. You know, a person just doesn't up and decide, you know, I'm going to believe on Jesus. I'm going to let Jesus into my heart. A person just doesn't up and decide that. That person believes on Christ. Because they can't do anything else. You know why they can't do anything else? They've been born of God. They've been given, uh, a nature's been born in them that can't trust anything but Christ. That's why they believe. And it is the will of God that this spiritual life and the new birth be given by the preaching of God's word. James 1 verse 18, of his own will. Now this, this new birth happens by God's will, of his will. Begat he us. Caused us to be born again. How? By the word of truth. By the word of truth. Now since it's God's will to give his people life. In the new birth. By the preaching of his word. Let's be determined. To preach nothing but Christ. To our generation. Nothing but Christ. Several of us were together yesterday evening. And talk about some. Some preachers, some men we loved of the past. Lord's called them home. They're not here anymore, not preaching anymore. And I mean, these, these, I mean, they were preachers. <laughs> I mean, Lord, wow, they were preachers. But they're gone. It's my prayer. God will make you and me faithful to preach this gospel to our generation, to the next one coming up. Because if God's going to give life to anybody, I'll tell you how he's going to do it. By the preaching of Christ. Then let's preach him. Fifth, I know this about God's will. You know, where to pray for it. We're to pray that God's will be done. That's how the Lord taught us to pray, isn't it? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. How often are we guilty of praying, Lord, my will be done. (laughs) This is what I want to happen. My will be done. Our Lord taught us to pray, thy will be done. And I tell you, the best way I can think of to have our prayers answered, for God to give us what we ask for in prayer, is to pray for what God already promised to do. (laughs) He's going to do what he promised to do. Well, our prayers be answered if we pray for it. Now, I say that, and let me tell you this about prayer. We can, and we should pray about whatever it is that the Lord lays upon our heart. We should always pray, pray about all things at all times. But as we pray for for what it is that that we desire, what you know, we um, there's just so many things. But as we pray, always with this being the most important thing, Lord, Thy will be done. Now this is this is my desire, but. But Lord, thy will be done. We should pray about whatever it is that's on our heart. And when the Lord finally shows us, that's not my will. Quit. Quit praying about it and move on because the Lord show, already showed us that's not my will. We're to pray for God's will, not our will. I know that. That's, that's, the, only, that's the only way we should be praying. All right, now here's the sixth thing. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 5. God's will is that you and I be thankful. First Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It is the will of God concerning you and me that we rejoice. That we pray without ceasing and we give thanks. That's God's will for you and me. Now since that's God's will would everybody agree that we'd be better off doing it God's way instead of our way? I mean I don't think there'd be any argument. with but... Well we'd be a whole lot happier if we spend less time complaining and more time giving thanks. We would. We'd be a lot better off Because that's God's will for us. We'd be better off and the people around us would be better off if we'd spend less time complaining and more time giving thanks. That's God's will concerning you and me. And I tell you this, God's people now I'm not just preaching the whole wide world right now, I'm talking to this congregation. We have a whole lot to be thankful for. We have a whole lot to be thankful for. It's God's will that we say thank you, Lord. That's his will. All right, now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is one I did not want to cut out. I I pray it will be very helpful to you. Our place in the body of Christ. That's God's will for us. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Now, the apostle Paul was an apostle by the will of God. I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor by the will of God. We're all believers. Those who believe Christ, you're a believer by the will of God. You're here as a member of this congregation. You live where you live. You're a member of this congregation by the will of God. You didn't just come here by accident. You're here by the will of God. Now, you're part of the body of Christ. You're part of this congregation by the will of God. And that's very important. You have an important role to play in this body, just like every body part has an important role to play in our body. And someone might think, you know, I'm not very important. I don't even want to be seen. I don't even want to be recognized. I just, you know, the, the, want to be the little toe in the body. You know, it's always covered up by shoes. Well, you, maybe you are the little toe. Maybe. Have you ever tried doing without your little toe? Have you ever stubbed it real bad and it turns purple and swells up? How's the rest of your body feel? Pretty miserable, doesn't it? Pretty miserable. Your whole body's going to limp and hurt you remember this every member of god's body the body of christ is important because they're important to him they're important enough to him to die for it whether it's the little toe or whether it's the nose or the eye or the hand is important enough to christ to suffer and die for it then we ought to be important to one another shouldn't we and you think well i can't i can't do you know a lot well i'll tell you what be diligent about doing what you can do don't think about what you can't do. Be diligent to do what you can do. Do whatever it is that you can do to help the gospel be preached in our town, to our families, to our children, to our loved ones. You say why well, can't can't do a lot? Well, I tell you what you can do. You can pray and ask God to bless his word. You can pray and ask, "Lord, give us a message. Give us a message from you today. Enable the preacher to preach it so I can hear it and enable me to hear it." I'll tell you, that's you can't overestimate. You can't say how valuable it is to pray and ask God to bless us as we meet. You can give what the Lord has enabled you to give to, to pay the bills. I mean, you know, money's not the more, most important thing, but now we ain't going to have lights and air conditioning without it. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can give. You can go to somebody and give them a smile. Give, give them a kind word. Let's let them know you care. I mean, just as such a simple gesture, you wouldn't believe how far that goes. You can go cry with those who are crying and you can go laugh with those who are laughing. Those kinds of things are invaluable to the body of Christ. They're invaluable to people. And I'll tell, something, tell you something else you can be. You can be faithful. You can be faithful to come to the service as much as is humanly possible. You can be faithful to come to the service, and you wouldn't believe how important that is. It, it's encouraging to the pastor. It's encouraging to others that to just to know, boy, this person—if they're in town, they're not sick—they're going to be here. I mean, they're going to be here. It's a what a great example for our children, for our young adults, that you just keep showing up every week, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday, every Wednesday. And I tell you what that person ends up being. They, they end up being the most supportive and the most dogmatic that we not lose this, this message of Christ in our town, in this place. You can be faithful. You can just show up. You wouldn't believe how helpful that is. We're all part of the body of Christ by God's will. Now let's just do willingly, happily, what God's given us to do, what I can do. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Here's the eighth thing I know. It is God's will that we abstain from sexual sins. You know, don't don't think that, uh, well, God saved me from my sin. It, it, it doesn't matter, you know, what I do because I'm already saved from it. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from, From fornication. Now if you're a believer. Your body is the temple. Of the living God. Just let that sink in for me. Your body is the temple of the living God. If you're a believer. Be careful what you do. With the temple. Of the living God. That matters. Then ninth. Look at Ephesians chapter six. It is God's will that we do this from the heart. From the heart. Ephesians 6 verse 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You know, it is God's will we do this from the heart. ain't no point in putting on some religious veneer because God looks on the heart. You're not going to fool God by putting on a a religious veneer. So this is God's will. Now we can pray and ask the Lord, Lord, enable me to do this from from the heart. Give me this heart to, to do thy will. I tell you, I don't want to have a false religious veneer. And usually you can see through somebody. I, mean, I promise you, God does. But usually we can see through somebody with a false religious veneer. It's just not pleasant. And it has to be exhausting, doesn't it? Wouldn't you think that has to be exhausting to try to keep up this false religious veneer all the time? I'd just rather do it from the heart. Well, I can pray and ask the Lord, give me that heart, can't you? Now, here's the last thing. And that kind of this goes right along with what I was saying. Look at Philippians chapter two. Oh, I want to do God's will. He's laid these things out. Says this is God's will for you. Well, I want to do it, don't you? Well, we need to remember this. We can't do it on our own. God has to work His will in us. Ephesians two verse twelve. Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only. But now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I can't will and I can't do God's good pleasure, can't do his will. If I tell you what I can do, I can ask God to work it in me. Can't you? That's God's will for us. All right. Well I hope that'll be a, a blessing and help to you.